0: You're listening to New City Servant Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep into God's word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of his kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. Right, this week we're going to be looking at renewal, renewal which is being strengthened by the grace of Of Jesus and the question for you is where do you find strength every day how do you go through life and life's challenges and life's trials and not get brittle and not get tired every day we face new questions and new challenges which bring up new fears and sometimes even in that life itself can fall apart so how do you get refreshed and how do you stay strong as a follower of Jesus? Let me pray and then we'll read some scripture and get into God's word. Lord, we do pray uh, for your refreshment today. We pray that even as we look at your word that you would renew us and help us to be people who practice renewal, who make it a habit of being strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Change us, transform us, be with us we are your people, we love you, and we know that you love us. And all God's people said. Amen. We're going to look at three short scriptures today, and I'm going to read them to you right now. The first one is Isaiah 30, 15. And it says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. The next one is from the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.16, and Paul writes, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then the last one comes from 2 Timothy 4, and that's the one we're really going to focus on today, and it just simply says this, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Word of God. God. Kara Tippetts. Kara Tippetts would have described herself as an ordinary Christian living an ordinary life. She was born in 1976 in Indiana, and during her time in high school, she came to faith. She was invited to a youth group. And at that youth group, she heard a message about the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ and all his grace. And at that meeting, she began a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Her life did not change overnight, though. It actually was a little bit slow going in seeing her life changed and transformed. But it did happen as she trusted Jesus more and more. As she relied on his love for her. As she found him to be kind even when she fell short. In fact... It was Jesus's kindness that particularly captivated Kara Tippett's. And kindness became her passion as she was renewed daily by Jesus's kindness to her. She met a a, a guy named Jason at a summer camp. And in 1998, they were married. Over a decade later, they had four children, Kara and Jason Tippett's. And during that time, they felt a call. They felt a call to plant a church in Colorado Springs. And so they moved to Colorado Springs with their four kids to start this new church, just like we started this new church. And during that time, Kara started a blog called Mundane Faithfulness. Mundane Faithfulness. And the blog was simply about her finding joy in Jesus in the midst of her being an ordinary Christian, having four kids, starting a church, trying to be faithful in the midst of the everyday routines of life. That summer though, that summer after she started the blog was the summer that Kara was diagnosed with breast cancer. But she decided to continue to blog. She wanted to share her thoughts and she wanted to find renewal even as she wrote. She wanted to lean into who Jesus was and share who Jesus was with other people through her words. On the blog. She wanted to show people that even though she had cancer, God's grace still existed. Her cancer progressed over the next two years and Kara continued to write about her situation. As it looked like the cancer might take her life, she literally embodied that phrase, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed Day by day. It looked like her body was heading towards death, and yet her spirit was alive. No one really knew about her blog until she wrote an open letter to a girl named Brittany Maynard. Brittany Maynard was a woman in her late 20s who was freshly married and had found out that she had terminal brain cancer. And in the midst of Brittany's struggle, Brittany decided that she was going to do a doctor-assisted suicide. And when Kara found out about this situation, Kara decided to write an open letter to Brittany. And in that letter to Brittany, Kara said, Brittany, suffering is not the absence of goodness and beauty, but a place where beauty can be known. My dying will be painful and beautiful for all of us. It's not a mistake. Beauty will meet us in the last breath, quickening death, was never what God intended for you. Jesus overcame the death you and I are facing in our cancer. He longs to know you. Jesus longs to shepherd you, Brittany, in your dying and to give you life and give you life abundant, eternal life. Brittany ignored what Kara was was encouraging her towards and, and Brittany did take her life with the assistance of a doctor. But even though Brittany ignored Kara's words, Kara's blog took off and caught the attention of tens of thousands of people who were walking with this woman from afar as she faithfully walked with Jesus in the midst of these circumstances that she did not want to be in. She embraced the situation, pointing her family, pointing her own heart, and pointing tens of thousands of people to Jesus' grace as she prepared to die. In less than a year after she wrote that letter to Brittany, Kara's life was overcome by the cancer and she passed away. And after she died, her family released a letter that Kara had written before she passed. And in the letter, Kara told all her readers that this blog will continue. It's been such a thing of renewal for me while I was alive, and I know it has been for you as well, that we're gonna get other people to contribute to this blog, Mundane Faithfulness, and it will continue in the future. And she's called her blog, A Simple Place Where Grace Is Raised High. A Simple Place Where Grace Is Raised High. That, that story makes me think about my own life, and I'm sure it makes you think about your life. We're just ordinary Christians trying to follow Jesus, trying to be faithful in the mundane details of life with our kids and our families and our friends, trying to obey Jesus more and more, trying to share God's love with our neighbors and our work and our coworkers more and more, trying to represent the grace of Jesus in whatever spheres of influence that we are in, trying to pursue people to know Jesus and follow him, and yet life does not make that easy. Life pushes back, and maybe that's why Kara's story is so compelling to us all. Because her spirit bubbled with life, even though her body was heading towards death. Her her soul was strengthened, even as her pain increased. The sadness was present, but so was the grace of Jesus, even in her challenge. Outwardly, she was wasting away. And yet what comes through the blog is that inwardly she is being renewed day by day. I want to talk to you today about being renewed by the grace of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you today about ongoing personal renewal. Tedson Sin calls ongoing personal renewal when our hearts become more and more alive to and enlivened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. When our hearts become more alive to and enlivened by the good news that we were separated from God, but because Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, we are no longer separated from God. We are no longer his enemies, but we are his beloved children. That Jesus went to the tomb as part of the punishment for our sins, but the tomb could not hold him. He kicked open the tomb and the grave and he came back to life. He rose again on the third day. And when you and I turn and believe in him and what he's done for us on the cross, we are forgiven. We are declared righteous. Our identity is no longer our sin, but our identity is found in him. And our hearts become alive to his grace, to his mighty strength, to his unconditional love and his endless power. Paul writes to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he writes, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy was a young pastor in Ephesus, and he had faced challenges, and he was going to face challenges. He he was planting a church, and he was called to start uh, new leadership and pass on what Paul had taught him to these new leaders And yet it was not going to be easy. He was confronting false teachers and false teaching. He was going to be persecuted. He was going to face all sorts of problems and challenges. He needed strength. And what Paul does is points him to strength and grace and renewal through his relationship with Jesus Christ. What does he say? you then, my child, be strengthened. It's a command. Do it. Do it, be strengthened. But notice that he doesn't say, be strong. But rather, be strengthened. Be strong means you can muster up something internally. Be strengthened means you need something from the outside to strengthen you inside. It's like this, if you're hungry, and I just tell you, be full, you can't be full. You need something from the outside to come into the inside so that you can be filled. So I can't tell you to be full, but I can tell you to be filled. I can tell you to look outside of yourself and get something that will give you strength and put it inside of you. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Not to be strong, but to be strengthened, to be renewed, to receive something. Let something be done to you. And what is it that he tells us to be strengthened by? Or he tells Timothy to be strengthened by? By the grace of that is in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we look for strength in all sorts of different places. I think for me, whatever I do in the first thing in the morning is usually what I'm, my heart is longing for strength from. You know, whether it's you check your bank account or whether it's you think about where you are in your life plan or what your relationship status is or how good your grades were or if you've been a great disciple of Jesus the past week. Oftentimes our hearts look to those things for strength but that is simply looking for strength from something inside of us rather than looking outside of us. And what Paul tells Timothy is to look outside of himself to be strengthened by the grace grace. Grace is a movement of goodness from one person towards another. One person has something that the other person does not deserve. And the person who is gracious moves towards that undeserving person. Not because of the other person, but because of the grace in that person. We've often used the term that grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And we see the grace of God most clearly in the gospel. That though we were sinful, God sent the Son. Though we were rebellious, God came and rescued us through the cross. We deserved his wrath, but because of God's grace... He loved us, and Jesus died for us. And what you see throughout the scripture is is that we now have this position with God of being in grace. Romans 5 says that we stand in grace. That means our position with God is one of blessing that we do not deserve. We are secure in it. Even though we were dead in our sins, because of God's grace, we have become alive through the work of Jesus Christ. Because of God's grace, Jesus traded places with you. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And so we have this position of grace. We stand in this place of receiving God's grace, but it's not just something we stand in. It's something that we're actually empowered by moment to moment. Tedson also says about God's grace that it's a reality in God's heart that energizes my heart that he gives to other people through me. I love that. It's a reality in God's heart that energizes my heart that he gives to other people through me. Hebrews 13.9 says it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. In other words, it's good for our hearts to be motivated by God's unmerited favor towards us. It's good for us to be compelled by God's favor and energized by his love that we do not deserve and empowered as Christians that we can never pay him back for what he has done. I find, though, that many people are often not motivated by grace, We're often motivated by things inside of us. As we look at the pain of the past, we're often motivated by our shame. We're often motivated by anger. We're often motivated by guilt. And those things actually drive us forward. They motivate us. They they empower us to live life. But shame empowers us to hide. Anger motivates us to fight. And guilt moves us towards living a life to prove who we are. And so our hearts can be motivated by things, but when our hearts are motivated and energized and empowered by shame and anger and guilt, what ends up happening is our life is not filled with new life, rather it's filled with anxiety, fear, and frustration. And the hardest thing for our heart to do is to stop looking inside of us, to stop looking at our own stories, to stop looking at our own past, and instead look to the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Be strengthened by grace means to be motivated by God's unconditional love for you, to be empowered by the undeserved favor that Jesus gives to you, to be empowered even in your weakness. Weakness is not sin. Weakness just is a human frailty. And in the Bible, when it talks about weakness, it talks about things like having a frail body or not knowing what to pray for or struggling with suffering or having personality flaws or not being much according to human standards. Those those things are all weaknesses as we struggle to follow Jesus Christ. But what I find often happens is we see our own weakness And we assume that God's grace isn't big enough or strong enough to meet us in that weakness. And so we tap out. I'm weak. I don't know how to tell my friends about Jesus, so I'm not going to. I don't know how to pray. I'm struggling to pray, so I'm going to quit. Loving my enemy is challenging, and my heart's all over the place, so I'm not going to do it. But the reality is when we turn to Jesus with our weakness, whatever our weakness is, his grace is there to strengthen us. Not so that we tap out, but so that we move forward in faith. That grace is to strengthen us and that grace is the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace of that is in Jesus Christ. And and Paul knew this. Paul had a, a severe struggle in his life that he asked Jesus to release him from. And Jesus said, I'm not going to release you from it because my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, because my power is perfected in your weakness. And so Paul says, well, then, if that's true, gladly I will boast all the more about all my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me in the midst of my weaknesses. If there's grace for weak people, then I'll admit my weaknesses because Jesus says he'll meet me there. Because it's not about my weakness or strength, but about the grace that is in him. In my last church, I loved a practice that we had, and it was simply this. At our staff meetings, we would tell things called grace renewal stories. A grace renewal story. A story about God's undeserved favor towards us that enlivened our heart to him. And what was also often funny about this, this, uh, uh, this, these staff meetings where we'd have 20 or 30 people is all these people would sit around and talk about how they had messed up that week or how they weren't able to finish the job that they were supposed to or, or how they just couldn't get it done. And it wasn't that they were lazy. It wasn't that they were just didn't try hard. It was that they were weak. But then they would show how God showed up in the midst of their weakness. And it created this incredibly interesting environment where you're at a workplace and everyone's not talking about their strengths, but what they weren't able to do, what they couldn't do. Everyone's celebrating their human frailty, celebrating their flaws, because in those things, Jesus showed up with strength. People confessing their imperfect job. And as that happened, people were empowered because they believe that God would actually meet them in the midst of their weakness. I had a seminary professor who studied personality and I found this, his practice to be really interesting and really helpful. He knew personality so well that when you'd go into his office, you would have to like let him know what your personality was on these personality test. And when you walked into his office, he knew more about you than you knew about you because he was like this guru of personality. Uh, but he also knew himself pretty well. And he knew that he was good at some things and he knew that he was really not good at things. He knew that there was a bunch of things that he had weaknesses over. And what it was impressive to me about him is he would go out every morning and pray with another professor and he would just have a list of his weaknesses and his personality flaws. And every morning he would just pray over that list and said, Lord, I'm prone to impatience. Please show up in my weakness. Lord, I often miss the details. Please help me to see the details I need to today. And what I loved about that is he took seriously this fact that he is weak, but Jesus promises to show up in the midst of weakness with his power. You too can be strengthened by grace in your weakness. This is personal, ongoing Renewal for you, acknowledging your weaknesses to Jesus, and then believing that he will show up with grace to strengthen you. That happens as we confess our weaknesses to him, but also as we confess our sins and transgressions to God. See, God's grace and Jesus' grace meets us in our weakness, but it also meets us in our sin and foolishness. Our sin runs deep. Our sin is in the midst of our actions, it corrupts our thoughts, it changes our motives, it can, even, it can even get in our imaginations and take us to crazy places. But there is grace in Jesus for your sin. I find that after people become Christians, they forget how big the cross was to them when they first became Christians. If you put this diagram up, I love this diagram because it's so helpful. On the left, it says conversion. In other words, the point where you came to Jesus, and at that time of your conversion, you had a limited understanding of how holy God was, and you had a limited understanding of how sinful you were, and as you came to Jesus, you believed, wow, the cross, it it, it bridges the gap. It washes away my unholiness. It makes me God's child even though he's holy. But as we grow, what happens is we have a broadening understanding of just how holy God is. Maybe you knew he was loving and you weren't, but you didn't realize he was just. And as we get an understanding of who God is, what we tend to do is ignore just how holy he really is. And when we ignore how holy he really is, the cross becomes smaller in our minds and we rely on it less and less. And if the cross is small, what happens is you become religious, moralistic, you self-justify, you become legalistic and prideful because you're looking at your life and you're going, I'm doing this pretty well. I'm growing in holiness and through growing in holiness, I'm getting closer to God. And those other people aren't th- over there aren't as holy as I am. And then what happens is you become religious and moralistic, and no one wants to be around you. <laughs> as we grow as Christians, we're called to, to grow in our understanding of just how holy God is. He is not like us. But also as we we grow as Christians, we have this growing awareness of our own sinfulness, which is that lying downwards. And what we tend to do as we grow as Christians is we find out things are sinful that we didn't know were sinful. And we have two options. We either go, yeah, that's sin, or what we're prone to do is go, I don't think God really cares about that. It was a little white lie, right? Right? It's not that big of a deal. It was just a little bit of gossip. Those motives in my heart, I mean, everyone struggles with those. And instead of calling those things sin, what we do is we minimize our sin, and we end up with a small cross. And when you minimize your sin, you become overcome with guilt, fear, shame, insecurity, and despair because you're trying to cover over your own sin by minimizing it rather than relying on the cross of Jesus Christ. Part of our ongoing renewal as Christians is recognizing and growing in our understanding of God's holiness, growing in our understanding of our sinfulness, but realizing that the cross is way bigger than we thought it was when we first became Christians. And what that means is when you see the gap between who you are and God's holiness, you confess your sins. If you see something, say something, right? You've heard that from Homeland Security, and unfortunately that phrase has turned into if you see someone that doesn't look like you, you call the cops, but we're not gonna talk about that today. If you see something, not someone, if you see something in yourself, you say something to God. If you see something in yourself that doesn't line up with who God is, you say something to God, you confess. Confess is, is merely this, it's agreeing with God's perspective on the thing in your life. It's rather than going, it's just a little white lie. It's going, I, I did not tell the truth. And God is a God of truth. You agree with God. When you see something in your life, you say something. First John nine tells us this about our confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from just a little bit of unrighteousness, from some unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. When you see something in your life, say something to God. Confess your sins and this is part of the process of personal ongoing spiritual renewal but also after you confess, repent. They're different. Confession and repentant aren't the same thing. Confession is when you see something, say something, but repentance, it means to turn. It's a turning away from that sin, that behavior, that attitude, that thought, and turning to God. I see it as it is God, but I'm gonna turn away from it, and I'm gonna follow you. One of my favorite passages about repentance because it doesn't use the word repentance, it uses the word return, is this one from Isaiah that we read earlier. The people of Israel had an enemy, Assyria. And it looked like Assyria was gonna take them over. And God said to them, don't trust Egypt to defend you against Syria, trust me. Trust me to defend you against Assyria. And they began to trust Egypt. And God called out to them and said this, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning, and repenting, in rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. See, the people of Israel thought life and strength and protection was found in trusting Egypt and aligned with them, and God says, no, return to me. And when you return to me, it's where life and salvation and strength will come from. We we, we don't want to repent because we often think that life and strength and salvation comes from something that God tells us not to do. But strength comes in rejecting our sins, in, in rejecting our idols that promise life, and instead turning to the Father who welcomes us turning and finding the grace of Jesus. You've read through the story of the prodigal son. You, you know the story that the son took his father's wealth and went and squandered it on wild living. And he thought that was life. And when he got to the end of it, there was no life. He was eating with the pigs. And so he decides to come home. He repents, he returns to the father. And he thinks, I, I, he's practicing the speech, right? He's like, when I get home, I'm going to tell the father, I'm going to tell my father that I'll just be a servant. Like, just keep me on the lowest rank. But the, Jesus tells the story, and he says, when that the prodigal comes home, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him returning. And in that culture, would have probably had to hike up his robe so he could sprint to his prodigal son that was returning home. And before the son even gets a chance to really go through the whole speech that he's practiced, the father is celebrating his return. Loving him. Throwing a party. Not going, I I already spent all my money on you that I had to spend, but going, let's throw a, a wild celebration that you have returned home. And that's how God is when we repent every day. One of the amazing things about Kara, as I read her blog, was that she talked about repentance frequently. As the cancer wore on her body, she became kind of testy. And though she loved kindness and was passionate about kindness, sometimes she admitted she was not kind to her children because she was so tired and her body hurt. And yet she found this deep joy in repenting in front of them and going, I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. You didn't deserve for me to talk to you that way. I'm asking for your forgiveness and I'm gonna turn away from that and turn to God. And she found life in the midst of her repentance. Confession, repentance, and believing. Believing in the endless grace of Jesus for all of our sins. All of our sins past, all of our sins present, all of our sins future. It's not easy being a disciple of Jesus. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we can be renewed day by day. We can be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ. Because no matter what we are going through, there is strength to find outside of you and grace for you in spite of you. Acknowledge your weakness, confess, repent, believe. This is the practice of ongoing spiritual renewal. No matter what situation you are in right now, there is a command for you to be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And as we practice that more and more, our hearts become more alive and enlivened by the grace of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the grace that is in you. We confess that we desperately need it, and yet often in our pride we don't confess that we do. And so we pray that you would help us to be renewed even now, but day after day after day. Admitting our flaws, admitting our weaknesses, admitting our sins, but then believing as we turn away from them, believing that you meet us with grace, that you are the Father who sees us while we were still a long way off. Set us free and make us new today. And all God's people said, amen. great